Hello everyone, my name is Aubrey Arneson. I'm a DGC director, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to the DGC podcast, brought to you by the Directors Guild of Canada National Directors Division. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional Indigenous lands that we all live and gather on today. Although this talk took place in Toronto, we are all located on traditional ancestral Indigenous lands. We are grateful to the Indigenous peoples who have cared for these lands and waters for thousands of years. Many of us have come as settlers, immigrants, and newcomers in this generation and generations past. We also acknowledge those who came here forcibly, particularly as a result of the transatlantic slave trade. Therefore, we honor and pay tribute to the ancestors of African origin and descent. Today's episode features a panel of directors whose debut feature film screened at TIFF 2023. Meredith Hama Brown, director of Seagrass, an exploration of the fractures within a biracial family that emerged during a couple's therapy retreat. And M.H. Murray, director of I Don't Know Who You Are, a film drawing comparisons to the Safdie brothers' uncut gems about a man desperately seeking the money to afford HIV treatment after he is sexually assaulted. Zara Khan, director of In Flames, through which Khan explores the trauma, abuse, and misogyny intertwined with fundamentalist culture. And Ariane Luises, director of Humanist Vampire Seeking Consenting Suicidal Person, which tells the story of a vampire who can only feast on people she empathizes with. Guiding these directors in conversation is fellow filmmaker and DGC National Directors Division Chair, Zach Lepofsky. Please enjoy. Thank you everyone for coming. It's so great to see sold out event on a Sunday morning. Thank you everyone for coming. We have so much to get through in less than an hour. So we're going to just like plow through and get to know about all your guys' films and hear the stories of how they came to be here, which is really exciting. We're going to be starting with you, Meredith, your incredible film, Seagrass. Um, where did this idea sort of initially come from? When did it, when did it enter your mind and, and what did it become? Yeah. So is this on? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll just tell you a really quick uh, summary of what it is <laughs> in case you haven't seen it, but um, Seagrass follows a Japanese Canadian woman uh, who's recently lost her mother and she, this has created a rupture in her marriage. And so the film begins with um, her bringing her family to a self-development retreat, her husband and her two daughters, where she's trying to work on her marriage. But um, of course, the tensions between her and her husband uh, begin to have an effect on the children's emotional stability. Um, and when I started to write this, it really, you know, I was just really finding it very slowly throughout the writing process. And I knew from the beginning that what I really wanted to look at wasn't so much um, whether the couple is going to stay together or not. That wasn't really the primary question that I was interested in. I was more interested in looking at um, kind of the, how each character's foundation is being uh, challenged throughout this time. And yeah, I really wanted to capture a sense of um, just that unstable feeling that they're all going through. Some of the therapy scenes in the, in the film are really unique and kind of powerful and authentic. And like um, the whole film really captures an authenticity. Where did you kind of have access to kind of figure out what you wanted to show as far as the therapy scenes or the interaction with the kids felt really real. So like, where did that reality come from? Yeah. So the therapy scenes, the film is primarily about the three uh, female characters in the film, the mother and the two daughters. 
But I always felt that the therapy scenes were Steve's scenes because he's having some issues with maybe being in touch with, I'm like, what's the word? In touch with his emotions, with his wife, of course, because he's not in touch with his own emotions as well. So he's very stifled. And so I really wanted the therapy scenes. Like when I was writing them, it was really just about like, how can I put him in the most uncomfortable situation? And it just gets worse and worse and worse for him. Um, Even though he's, you know, I think there's a lot of things about him that are very unlikable. He has a lot of uh, moments where he displays, you know, that he's racist uh, and that he holds some beliefs that are obviously a challenge between him and his wife. But yeah, it's odd because a lot of people came up after and they're like, I kind of felt bad for him because I think the therapy scenes, like he just, I think, I guess people relate to being like maybe that inability or something they've experienced them themselves or something. Yeah. I was really like expecting that. All the different like thing, the activities they do in the therapy scenes are yeah. pretty we're, worth watching. Uh, I highly recommend it. And lastly, just like the kid interactions I thought were incredibly beautiful and realistic and just where did a lot of the kind of inspiration for that come from? Yeah. Um, well, this is a very personal story and I, you know, it's personal, but it's also very fictitious. So, um, but I was very much inspired by just my, my own sibling dynamic. Um, I think sibling dynamics are really fascinating because there's so much love and protection in them. There's so much other stuff as well. Um, and so that's what I was trying to find with the kids. And so, yeah, the scenes I was writing, you know, I was just kind of trying to show, show both of those, um, like trying to show such a well-rounded, uh, depiction of siblinghood and sisterhood. Yeah. We yeah. Did, did it very well. It was very and the actors like were just so, yeah, like they were just, <laughs> I don't know how I got so lucky, but they, they were amazing. I think that really helped. It wouldn't have worked yeah. out obviously otherwise. Yeah, it was great. Um, Zara, we're going to uh, talk about your film next and get everyone acquainted with it. Um, where did the initial concept and sort of the first moment you thought this might be a story you wanted to tell? Uh, in 2018, I made a short film called Thea, which was about a young woman and like her secret boyfriend. And uh, it like I didn't realize until the film came out. So I'm an Aquarius. So I'm not really touched by feelings. <laughs> um, so after I saw the film, I was like, oh, I'm actually dealing with a lot of personal stuff. And there was a lot of themes that I wanted to continue to explore. So I spent like the subsequent five years developing my craft as an artist, as a writer director and making more shorts and also always wanting to come back to that film and really feeling like this is the film that should be the first like long form I put out there. Um, for those who, if you don't know, it's a film about a mother and a daughter who live in Karachi, Pakistan, who lose uh the head of the household who's the grandfather and then they're kind of in this um abyss of like patriarchal forces both real and imagined that are trying to engulf them and the film is about community and how they have to come together if they want to survive and overcome all of these dangers both real and supernatural um and yeah. So then I, uh, you know, spent that the next five years writing drafts of the scripts, yeah. um, getting to know the talent who were in that short film, who ended up, uh, the lead Bakhtawar Mazar from that short is also lead my feature. And she was so generous with me about her stories of being a woman in Pakistan or being an actress in Pakistan. 
which is a very difficult profession because it's a fairly conservative society. Um, and just, you know, me taking those stories that are really laced with a real terror and a real fear and taking it a little bit further into the supernatural, because I feel like genre really lends itself to um, stories that are already terrifying. Yeah, very much so. Having never been to Pakistan, the film does really capture that setting and that place. And it almost feels like, you know, a little bit of what it's like to live there. What was it like to shoot there? Um, so I set up a production company in Pakistan and I've been making short films there for the greater part of the last 10 years. Wow. Um, so one thing that like a lot of my collaborators have said is like every short film you've done feels like you're stitching together what ends up being your feature. Um, so like I did a short where we shot on the beach. Uh, I did a short where, you know, we set something on fire. I did a short. So a lot of those elements you end up seeing in the feature film. So because I never did film school, making these shorts was how I was teaching myself the craft of cinema and also at the same time falling in love with different types of international cinema. Karachi is a city that um, doesn't have a long history of film and um, we don't really have a prolific film industry, but shout out to my producer, Anam Abbas. Anam and I have both in our own way been trying to create the scaffolding over there, but to visually figure out what Karachi would look like, I kind of like, I had a very large global Pinterest board so I really fell in love with like Senegalese cinema, stuff like Tukibuki, Hyenas, and uh, also the work of Satyajit Ray and um, also the work of Patricia Rosman. There's a final, like I have a kind of uh, red herring to her film in In Flames as well, the final shot of the film. Um, so it was kind of discovering that and using those tools of making my shorts as a way to create the film in Karachi and... Uh, of course, there's, you know, every film's a miracle. I'm sure we can all say that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were uh, humongous challenges. We were also, we're also a telefilm talent to watch film. So, you know, micro budget wow. first feature. And I had no idea watching it. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Thank you. Pulled everything we could. That's awesome. Well, speaking of miracles, I'm curious, many filmmakers in the audience, I think we're all wondering what it's like to have your first feature at Cannes. So what was that experience like, the terror of it? How did you prepare for it? What was the expectation or what was it like when you were there? Like things that surprised you? It was like stressful. I think everyone here can relate with that. It was like hugely stressful because like we were so thrilled when we got in. And then it was like, well, how are we going to fly anyone to like, how are we going to get there? What are we going to wear? And, you know, we're so grateful that Telefilm really came up, came out to bat and was like, we're going to support this film and help it look like it costs millions of dollars yeah. and have that imprint. And then, you know, presenting your first film at Cannes is like, for me, the dream, the thing I always wished for. And um, it was incredible, you know, like there's nothing else to say, like no complaints, <laughs> do it. Highly recommend five stars. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, Ariane, we're going to talk about your film next, um, which has the best title of the festival, maybe. Um, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about, I mean, this is also your first feature as well, I think, yeah. right? Lots of great shorts that you've done. Uh, where did the initial concept of this incredibly interesting genre film come mm -hmm. from? I think... Uh Actually, I, I want to do a vampire film since my first short film, which was uh, Wild Skin. And um, it wasn't a, a vampire film, but I made uh, the main actress watch vampire film because I wanted to direct her in like she was a vampire. Yeah. So I 
made a vampire film without making one. And now I decide for my first feature, I really want to, to do an actual uh, vampire film without making one because know, it's more the like, yeah, it's <laughs> the opposite. It's, I, I want to treat my main character like she, she was um, a regular teenager. But the, the concept of the film just, I don't know, pop up in my head. I, I found it just... I wake up one morning and I thought, oh, um, a humanist vampire who uh, she, she don't want to bite. But what happened if she tried to find people who actually want to die, but she kind of too humanist to she really want to be sure that the victim won't really want to die. That was the idea. And um, just before writing this film, I was uh, writing another feature and it was a really heavy drama and it was a long and painful experience. So I was like, okay, now I'm doing a comedy and I, I want something generous, luminous, and I want to talk about death, but in a luminous way. Yeah. And uh, um, I asked one of my friends to co-write it with me and uh, together we have um, like the same uh, uh, sense of humor. So it was a really fun process. Yeah. And the film is absolutely hilarious and it is the most luminous film you'll see shot entirely at night. One of the things the film does that I can imagine was very difficult is it plays with sort of all of the coming of age tropes of a coming of age film without falling into the tropes, kind of reverse, being very like clever with sort of the audience's expectation. I imagine that must've been really hard to get just right so that it doesn't feel predictable, but feels inventive at the same time as sort of making fun of the tropes of a, Holly, of a Hollywood coming of age story. Yeah, but the thing is that we play with the code of coming of age comedy, but also uh, vampire tales yeah. and dark comedies. So the fact that we were between, like we mix uh, those uh, tones together, allowed us to uh, be in a place that everyone knows where it goes, but it doesn't go there yeah. because <laughs> we use another like path to... Were there any really big like obstacles in the writing of it um that you eventually overcame but any any parts of the writing that were particularly difficult um it, it was the the writing process was really easy because we were always challenging uh, ourselves me and Christine to push further uh, the situation but at first we we had the the, the main plot and after Sasha, uh, who is the uh, humanist vampire, um, uh, meet with Paul, the consenting suicidal person, we were like, okay, and after they're going to live a big adventure. And for a really long time, we was like, okay, but what is the what is this big adventure? It was the main difficulties to yeah. the beginning of the process was so easy. And uh, we had this, uh, big, yeah. it's always easy at the start. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we find something. Awesome. You will see. Yeah. Everyone go check it out. Um, so next MH, we're going to talk about your film, which is, I don't know who you are. Where did the, um, the initial sort of beginnings of that film come from and tell everyone a little bit about what it is? Yeah. So this is like a personal story that I was able to filter through a fictional character named Benjamin, um, that I created with my lead actor, Mark Lennon. Um, he's this amazing 
musician uh, in the city who also just happens to be a very talented actor. Um, and so, yeah, the film was like a chance for us to have a fruitful collaboration, but it was also a chance for me to explore my own story through, I guess, a pseudo fictional lens. Um, and we utilize like some documentary um, styles to shoot it. And we used like worked with real healthcare workers. And the film is about a gay freelance uh, musician in Toronto who um, goes through a traumatic experience. And then over the course of one weekend, he has to try to find enough money to pay for the, uh, the healthcare that he needs. Um, so it's about access. It's about um, leaning on your community. It's about uh, the struggle to ask for help. Um, and it's kind of like a portrait of, well, I think a lot of people, especially young people who are freelance artists can relate to of just how, you know, sometimes you have like four invoices that have not been completed and, you know, you're basically just one mistake or one incident away from complete ruin. Um, so yeah. You feel like you kind of almost become one with Mark's character in this film. Like it's incredibly personal on, on his journey. And it has that, like you were saying, almost documentary feel. Talk about the collaboration with him and did you develop the character together? Did you, it just feels like it's sort of like the two of you making this film kind of birthing it together almost like, was that the case or, or how, how did that collaboration come together? Yeah, we definitely, we definitely made a baby together. <laughs> um, it, it was a really beautiful experience because we, we're really close in real life and uh, we got a lot closer making this film. And I think it was a, a lot of a me in there and then a lot of him. I mean, we, uh, that uh, is actually his apartment that we shot in. So it was a very invasive experience um, for him because we were in his space, but it also, uh, I think worked out for him because he could be very comfortable and um, it allowed him to uh, be in his own space and, but playing this character that he was bringing a lot of himself to, but that was also me. And um, we spent a lot of time like peeking and plotting and figuring out who the character was over a couple of years, maybe like a year or two um, as we were applying to arts council grants and stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of him. Isn't he so cute? Like, um, <laughs> he's really, really good in the film. Yeah. yeah. And he's a rising star at TIFF this year. So I'm so excited for him. He really had to go there in the film and give a lot of himself to it. So I'm so grateful. And as a director, like that's what you're always looking for in an actor is someone who is just very open, also has like their own opinions and thoughts that they can bring to it. But like you can kind of mesh your thoughts together and, um, it's just been, yeah, just a very exciting and fruitful experience. Awesome. And we hope to keep following this character. We created this character in a short film called Ghost in 2020. And uh, we want to keep exploring. You know, we did a short, we did a feature. We're developing a series now. And hopefully we can follow Benjamin. Yeah, the Benjamin Cinematic Universe. The Benjamin Cinematic yeah. Universe. It's like the before series, except he's all by himself. <laughs> awesome. Well, we want to get into some craft questions. There's a lot of filmmakers in the audience. Um, I believe it's all of your first feature, right? So I'm really curious, like there's probably a lot of people in the audience who want to make their first feature, have a lot of expectations. I'm sure you all had a lot of like thoughts of what making your first feature would be like. I'm curious, maybe start with you, Meredith. What were you the most surprised, like you thought about your first feature for a lot of time. Now it's 
been completed, you're starting to experience getting it out into the world. What's been the most surprising thing um, that you didn't know when you started about making a first feature? So many things. It's almost like, I don't know where to begin. Um, <laughs> it's like every step of the way it was a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, what was one challenge that you kind of hit that you, that hit you that you weren't expecting? Yeah. I think maybe the, um, like the amount of what's the word like stamina or like just persistence or tenacity or like it, after week one of shooting, I remember I just cried <laughs> a lot and I was like, I just, I've been there. Yeah. And like, I was crying and crying and crying. I was like, how am I going to finish? <laughs> like, it, and you know, not for a particular reason, it was fine. It was all good, but it was just so intense. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and then what happened? Well, then I stopped crying. I pulled myself together. I made the damn movie. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I gave myself a little pep talk. Um, <laughs> but like, even through the writing process, like I was like, Oh, am I ever, is this ever going to be something that's good enough to make? Like, so there was so much persistence there too, where I, I don't know how you feel when you write, but I feel like crap the entire time. Yeah. I think it's kind of like part of what a lot of writers feel, but it was just like, every time I kind of went into that, I was like, I don't know if I'm like even capable of, you know, writing something that I'll want to make. And then, you know, you just keep going and yeah, you get there. <laughs> Absolutely. MH, how about you? What was something that, or what was the most surprising thing once you kind of got to the end of it that you didn't expect from the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I guess to kind of add to what you're saying, it is, is so much work, girl. Like it's so stressful and you really have to love it. Like I always tell people when they ask me like, Oh, how do you, I want to be a director? I'm like, you need to really love it because even if, even though you do, it will be hor horrifying. Um, but it'll also be beautiful, you know? And I think it's just about pushing to, cause like you'll have a day where you wake up and you're like, Oh my God. And then you'll be on set and then there'll be a moment in the scene where it's exactly how you pictured and you're like, ah, okay, this is, this is why I do this. Um, and I think, you know, I did a web, I did like my background is in web series. So, um, I think that helped me in terms of having the skills to, and I guess the endurance mentally, physically, creatively to tell longer stories over a longer period of time. So I think, you know, something I would say to anyone who wants to make a feature is to try to make, you know, not just a short film before, but try to do maybe a series, like a couple short films or a series or something that can really show you what it's like to not just be on set for like two days, but to literally be on set for weeks, having to keep, keep the story coherent in your head. Cause it won't, you won't be shooting it in order. Usually we tried with this one to shoot it as chronological as possible just for Mark, because it was such an emotional experience. Um, but usually you won't have that luxury. Usually you'll be shooting like, you know, scenes out of order. So I think just the intense struggle to like stay sane and also enjoy it, it was a little bit shocking, but I also was like so determined to do it. I was like, yeah. listen, I'm just awesome. going to stick it out because I have to, there's no other choice. When you're a director, everybody is literally staring at you. You're on set. You're like, everyone's, you have to make all the decisions. I don't know who said it, but like the main job of a director is to just know what you want, you know, so that everyone around you can help you execute that vision. And so that's really important. And it's difficult. It's, it's uh, more difficult, you know, to actually do it. But yeah. Yeah. 
So Zarari, you had shot in Pakistan. You you were practicing scenes from your from your feature in your shorts, but then when it actually came to doing the whole thing, was there something that you really didn't expect that kind of once you looked back at it, you were surprised by? I mean, I think like you guys have both spoken to it's just like the stamina and like the endurance. Like I remember like we shot, I think it was 26 days and we did nine days straight at the top and it was 14 hour days. And then I remember getting like one day at the end and I'm like, oh my God, like just like having that moment uh, to like breathe. And then in that day, like dealing like, cause the film is still evolving and like, you know, uh, I was saying this earlier where it's like, it really benefited having a crew that I'd made all these projects with before who worked in the city because like we had like disaster after disaster. Um, what was the best disaster? I mean, like the really memorable one, which was actually the best one was like, we lost our location that we were shooting at in two days, like during the shoot. And I remember being like, oh, we're going to shoot there in two days. And this is like the pivotal beach hut where like everything happens. And it's like, well, now we can't go there because like life imitating art, it's now a crime zone. So we're just not allowed to go there. And then I remember on that off day I had, like being on the beach, like looking for a, like a beach hut that we can shoot in, talking to my location guy, and he found this really beautiful hut on like a hill. And I mean, like, could we get that? And it's like so much better than the initial location that we had. And just having my whole team pivot, like my production designer getting in there, my first city being like, we're making new call sheets. We're going to shoot these scenes instead because we didn't have the money to shoot over, you know, wow. like we had those days. So I think leaning into your mistakes and those disasters, like really being a part of what makes your film beautiful. Yeah. Well, that location is stunningly beautiful in the film. It's very, it's hard to imagine it not being in the film. That's awesome. Got it two days before. Wow. <laughs> Ariane, how about for you? Was the, was there something about making a feature that was different than making your shorts? Yeah. Uh, I also struggle with location. What you, the story you tell, it was, uh, I lived at like 15 times because we had 45. 47 location to find and yeah that's a lot it's an epic film so it's, it's a big adventure um, <laughs> i knew that it will be complicated but um don't cheap out on a location uh, scouting because it's uh, like when the wheels start when you're shooting um start and everything's fall apart you're always like shooting the scene on the day but your mind is like but i know i have no clue where i i was gonna shoot in two days and it was like that for the whole shoot so but we and we also had a really um short uh, prep for the film so I think it's really important to be ready. And I mean, there are some things, things that will happen and we, we can't be completely ready all the time. But yeah, maybe um, not uh, write a film with 47 locations. <laughs> it's a good way That's to good, start. Good way to start. Maybe 43 uh, yeah. might be better, yeah. And also, um, I think I did a lot of rehearsal with uh, the actors. And um, also, I had a lot of um, uh, reunion with uh, the, the production designer and the, the cinematographer all together. So to 
make sure that everyone want to do the same film as you and to stay open as well to like you know what you want but you 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 choose those person because they are they also um they are also uh, artists yeah so this dialogue is really important to to have it and if i can add um to be like in shape because (laughs) i was I I wasn't burnout um like uh, six uh, six um uh, month before wow. and when I had the, the 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 money to do the film I forgot that I was in burnout wow. and I just pushed myself and now I'm I think the 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 next time I will be like super fit super fit yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of, uh, location disasters, I know MH, you have an epic story of the climax of your film. Um, maybe tell people that story. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. So I do a lot of like when I, and again, I will, I would not recommend this, but you know, maybe if you want to do it, do it. But, uh, like I do a lot of guerrilla film filming. So like we actually didn't have permission to shoot in a lot of the places where we shot. Um, and I was like, well, we're still shooting there. Um, <laughs> I'm very stubborn, but, uh, one of the, like the cl- kind of climax scene of the film had to be in an alleyway and at nighttime and, and in public basically. Um, and we found this really sickening alleyway that it was like a brick building on Carlos street. And it had these windows along it that kind of looked like a, it was almost like a creepy church. Um, and it emitted this like blue light sort of, and I was like, oh, we have to shoot, shoot here. And, um, my producer was like, we can't. And I was like, okay, well let's do it. And then, um, (laughs) so we knew that the gym closed at 10 PM. And so it was like a really intense stabbing. Uh, I won't give away what happens, but well, I kind of already did. There's a stabbing that happens and there was like a blood gag where he like spits the blood out. And so we went to do it and we were shooting and we did all the the coverage and we saved the blood shot for the, for the last shot. It was actually the last shot of the whole movie, uh, the whole shoot. And I was looking at my phone and it was like nine 56. So it was like four minutes. Um, and I was like, it's fine. They won't turn the lights off right away. It's, you know, it'll probably, you know, they'll clean up. It'll be, I'll have some time. And then, so I have, I actually have it on film because we started, it was like, you know, frame action. And then the guy, he was about to spit the blood out and then all the lights turned off and we had already shot the whole scene and, and I was standing there pitch black. And I was just like, this is what I was talking about earlier where everyone just looks at you. And I was just like, Oh my God. And then I looked into the building and I saw a lady, a lady like in it. And I was like, Oh my God. So I ran to the door and I just like knocked on it and she opened it. She was just this really sweet, kind cleaning lady. And she was like, hello. And I was like, hey, girl, (laughs) do you think you could just turn the lights back on for like 10 minutes? And she was like, what? No, I got to go home. And I was like, oh, my God. But so we had in the film, he's like hustling, trying to get cash and stuff. So we had some cash, real cash as props. So we had like a hundred dollar bill. And I was like, I'll give you this hundred dollar bill if you just turn the lights on for 10 minutes. And she was like. Okay. And so she she turned it back on. (laughs) 
it was crazy. And then, yeah, so we shot it and we, we got it. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It's such a beautiful scene. So it was worth it. You would never know all the drama that was going on behind us. So yeah. That's the beauty of the magic of cinema. Meredith, was there any big challenges in locations or sort of like executing or moments of crisis as you were shooting your film? Yeah, I have a, I have a, an interesting look. Well, yeah. Location story as well, because, um, there's one location in our film that's highly symbolic. It's the cave yeah. and it's the seaside cave. And in the story, the tide can come into the cave. The tide can leave the cave. Um, and it, it's very, it was very important for me to find this cave because yeah, the story couldn't exist without it. And so a year before shooting, I was searching for caves. Uh, my DP, Norm Lee, who's right over there, came with me and we we went to all these different caves. We actually kayaked to an island to look at these caves that we could only access that way. Um, yeah. yeah it was, I've tried finding caves in BC. It's very difficult. Well, ones that get have yeah. water coming yeah. into them too. And so we ended up finding the perfect cave uh, in Rosie Bay, Tofino. And this cave is a 15 minute walk you have to walk 15 minutes from the parking lot and you have to go around this kind of rock area, but the tide actually comes in and you'll get trapped if you don't leave on time. So that was a challenge. And of course we were going to be working with kids. So we had like three and a half hours to shoot in the cave each day and we had to get out. Um, but that's not even the most interesting part of this. What I found what was really shocking is when I went a year before the whole ground was sand and I was like, Oh, it'd be nice if there were some rocks, um, in the cave that would be maybe better for, for the film. But then we came back two months before shooting and there were rocks in the cave. The sand had gone down about 15 feet because of the winter tides. Wow. And there were these massive rocks, but not only that, there were pools of water that went up to like here and we had to have kids like going into the cave. So we actually couldn't shoot the scenes with the cave like this. So during the shoot, before the shoot, I was like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? And we we're talking about building decks and it was just, it was going to be a complete nightmare potentially. <laughs> and we were doing it at the end of the shoot. And then finally we got there to shoot and somehow the sand had magically come back up <laughs> to the perfect height where there were these beautiful pools of water about that deep that people can walk through and it had a few rocks, but it wasn't like, it was just yeah. really stressful. <laughs> yeah. When I watched the film, I was like, this cave is amazing. Where did they find this cave? It's just like, it's like everything you would hope for if you wrote exterior cave beach, like yeah. it was kind of awesome. So lucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering from all of you, you know, you've gone through this incredible, like you're saying, every film's a miracle. It seems impossible. You'd never think you're going to get this far. Now that you have for each of you, maybe with you, Ariane, um, what's been the most rewarding sort of moment as you've been working on the film? I think it's when you actually show the film to an audience and you realize that it works and people like feel something. And um, because for me, the, the biggest challenge was to uh, follow this a thin line between all that the jar that I was uh, um, playing with, yeah. and I I was trusting my gut, but I didn't know until like the editing process if it's actually gonna work. And so I think when you 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 do your uh, editing and you 
see the film for the first time and now you can relax and you it's you can like congrats yourself <laughs> and said okay good job i, I it's a yeah. good thing to there's lots of really re rewarding moments as well in the shooting when you're actually like something happened um, um between the actors right. and sort of magic comes yeah together. yeah <laughs> awesome Zarar, was there a particular like moment that you would think of as the most rewarding moment making the film? Uh, I think definitely after the premiere and people have watched it, um, but also for our film, it was very international. Like it was Pakistani, it was also Canadian. We had our DP come from Kazakhstan. And I remember after the premiere, like looking around and seeing all these people like in one place, which was really weird because as the director, you're working on post, you're working in prep, but and you work with all these different people who are incredible artists, but I'm used to working with them like individually and then just seeing them all like geographically in one space and seeing how cinema can like really bring people together and telephone shout out. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was really incredible, you know, because it's like art crossing borders and like bringing community and like the arts community being one that is local and everywhere. So that was a really incredible feeling. Definitely. Yeah. MH, is there a rewarding specific moment that comes to mind? I don't want to brag, but when we did the premiere, they gave me a standing ovation <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I started crying on the stage and it was such a, what made you cry? Do you think just, well, cause I've seen the movie so many times I was watching it and I was like, okay, I was just sipping my beer or whatever. I, I wasn't like, paying much attention to in the second screening I paid way more attention to like the audience and I felt and it was very fun to like watch it with them but in the first screening I was just like so scared and anxious I didn't really get to I don't know like experience it in that way so when I walked on the stage I was just completely like in a different headspace and then to just I, I got to feel like oh people really were affected by it and I just Fell to pieces, girl. Yeah. I couldn't like, and yeah. So, and also to see, to see Mark get, uh, you know, so much acclaim for what he's, he did in the film has been really, um, great. It's such a good feeling when you like work with someone and you, you just like know they're so good, you know, and, and, and then other people see it too. And you're just like, oh yes, it's like such a magical feeling. Um, and yeah, I guess I also edited the film, so I took my time editing it. And so I think once I got to the end where I don't think a movie is ever fully done. Like there's just deadlines, you know, you could, I could keep editing yeah. this movie forever, really, if I really wanted to. You run out of oh. time or money or both. Yeah, exactly. Done. So once you, once I got to the end of that process, it was definitely like, Ooh, I could like breathe. You know? Yeah. Meredith, how about you? Um, yeah, I think echoing a lot of what everyone has said, but like, yeah, just having every, you know, well, not everyone, like a few members of the cast and crew come to join for the premiere. Like before we went uh, to introduce the film, I saw uh, our editor, Kane Stewart, and it was just like so surreal that he was here in Toronto and I just started sobbing. And then I was like, oh, God, now we have to take photos. And then <laughs> I was like trying to make them go back. But it was just so. And then I met um the, our, our lead, Ali Mackey, who was incredible. She brought her mom and I was like, okay, I can't like really talk to you right now. Cause I'm going to start crying. And like, I just, I, I was like fighting tears before 
the intro and I was like, I don't want to be crying before everyone sees the film. Like yeah. I'd much rather save this for the end. Cause then it, I don't know. It's just, and what do you think the emotion weird. was? Are you directing <laughs> this premiere? You're like, I'm yeah. going to save the crying for the end. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm going to edit this now. And then I didn't cry at the end. So it was all good. But, awesome. <laughs> um, why I think it was just because it was such a special experience making it with everyone and challenging as well. And then to have them all there together just felt so like heartwarming. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm curious from each of you, um, you know, in your career, was there a, a piece of advice you heard someone told you, a mentor told you, you heard it on a panel, some piece of advice that really stuck with you that you took into this, that you really found to be true and was really helpful. Maybe Meredith, is there anything? Yeah. Um, so it was actually at the TIFF Filmmaker Lab and I can't remember who said it, unfortunately, but there were, there were some really awesome, um, speakers who came in to chat with us and just explain what the TIFF Filmmaker Lab is. Oh yes. The TIFF Filmmaker Lab is, um, a lab for, uh, directors to kind of yeah, just, it was during COVID. So it was a bit of a different, uh, to film me collab, uh, that I went to, but basically we did a lot of panels. We got to meet with other filmmakers who were a part of the lab. We got to talk, um, in sessions about our script and kind of work through some challenges. It was a really wonderful experience. Um, but the piece of advice that I got there was that it's just so important to whatever you have planned like when you're on set to just be very present and to like see what's in front of you and be able to pivot to get something better. And I think that's something I really tried to bring into the shoot with me and just like, remember it's like, okay, like what is happening right now? That's maybe better than what was in my head. And like, kind of just let go of the plan a little bit when it makes sense too. Yeah. MH, is there a piece of advice that you've come across that really helped you make this film? I would echo what you said about like being open, but I think I said it earlier about just someone said once, uh, yeah, like the main job of a director is to just know what you want. And I think that's something that helped me a lot because, you know, I can be, you know, we all have our own anxieties and, and things of that nature. But if you really have to wrap your head around the fact that as a director, you are leading the ship, like you, you have to get your shit together, you know, <laughs> at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, that don't just willy nilly jump into it, like really think about it and, and stay open, but also be sure about, even if, you know, the scene has to change locations or maybe it doesn't work out the, the way you thought it would. Every scene has like a, a certain point or a certain reason why it's in the film. And as long as you're sure about that, the other elements can shift. And yeah. I think you'll still be able to achieve your vision, even if it's like slightly different and you can still be happy with it. Cause you know, like the base, the base of the scene is still there. Yeah. Zarar? Uh, for me, it was, I was a intern at a sales company in like TIFF 2014 <laughs> and I met Adam Egoyan at like a party nice. and obviously I was like, Hey, you know, like, what do I need to know? <laughs> yeah. Like, give me some advice. And I think he was going through a moment cause he's like, everyone makes bad films. And I'm like, true, you know? Um, but that was great advice because it like, it meant that like, you don't have to be scared about making something perfect. Like get all your bad ideas out there and like be brave and experiment. Um, because every film will not resonate with everyone. Like it's a art that's subjective. 
And I think as filmmakers, it's so tough because like, you know, we want everyone to like our work, um, but uh, films are hugely personal. So that advice I found to be really freeing because it meant that I can make whatever film that I want to make as long as I like it, you know, um, and, and it allowed me to create without having to worry about like an external pressure. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I relate with all of that you said, but um, I think uh, someone said to me one time that um, we all have self-doubt at some point in the process and it's it's natural. And um, we're through the whole process, uh, through the whole <laughs> process. And at some point we are super confident and uh, there's a balance to find between those two yeah. side of ourselves. And but it's OK to be, to have self-doubt. But um, in those moments, I always ask myself, it's it's come from fear. And if it's fear, it's not a a good um, yeah. reason to not do it. So, but self-doubt sometimes, yeah, you, you, you need to know what you want, but you don't know like at every moment, every scene, every detail, sometimes you just don't know, but um, it's okay to like create a, um, a dialogue with your collaborator and just remind you what's the purpose of this scene or yeah. what is what it is important. And if you don't know which curtains, which pattern <laughs> curtains you you want, it, it's okay to just yeah. set like those curtains. Yeah. Um, just pick. <laughs> Yeah, I might be the only person on earth who's seen all four of these films, so I can highly recommend them. Uh, check them out uh, as you can. They're all really, really great. Give these filmmakers a huge round of applause. They've been through so much. What an amazing chat with amazing filmmakers and an incredible moderator. I just adore Zach Lepofsky. I am always going to take with me from that chat that remembering every scene has a reason for being in the film. And as a director, not to get caught up on details that may have changed or things are not the way you exactly want them, go back to the reason of the film. Um, I also loved when they talked about having all of the people who worked on the film in one place, geographically watching it at a screening. As, as a director, often you work with the editor separately than you work with the actors separately than the producers sometimes. And so having everyone together watching, celebrating what they created is so cool. Thank you so much for joining us for this great chat. And you remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at DGC Talent on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're looking to hire a director, you can access an amazing resource, directors.ca where you'll find a director with the perfect skill set to match your project. Special thanks to technical producer Giacomo Beltrami and producer Hans Engel. Take care and talk soon on the next episode. Mm -hmm.